This podcast is brought to you by The City Church in Mississauga, Ontario. For more information, please visit thecitychurch.ca. We hope you are encouraged by this message from our lead pastor, Frank Coulter. Well, we are continuing our series today that we have called Hall of Faith. So if you have your Bibles, let's turn over um, to Hebrews chapter 11, and we'll get there in a second. Now, this whole chapter um, describes men and women who actually served God and accomplished and did many things by faith. Um, And then Hebrews chapter 11 has this detail and names names, and it says what they did and says what they accomplished. And then Hebrews chapter 12 continues, and then it says at the first part of Hebrews chapter 12 that we should run our race. See how all these people did all these amazing things. And then the call is to us that we also should live by faith, that we should accomplish things by faith just like these men and women in the Old Testament did. So that the implication is that in Hebrews chapter 11 is not a closed chapter, that we should keep adding names to Hebrews chapter 11 and they should include our names that we do and accomplish things by faith. And once again, it's not a matter of not doing a bunch of stuff. It is having accomplishments in life through faith, through faith in God. Now, as we have been saying each week uh, of this series, this is actually part three. Now, if you missed um, either of the previous messages, they're available on our website. And I just want to reiterate again, we have a brand new podcast feed uh, that's coming from our new website. So if you subscribe to our old podcast that had the black, red, and white logo. We have a brand new podcast feed. That old feed won't be updated anymore. Um, So if you just go back to iTunes and search again for the City Church Mississauga, you'll see our black and white logo, and that is the new version of our podcast. So if you listen uh, to the messages that way, you can resubscribe to our new podcast. But you can listen there on our website and then also on our church app. But as we've been saying in this series that the reality is that everybody lives by faith. Every person, every, every, even every person that says, I don't live by faith, they also live by faith. And what I'm saying by that is everybody has a certain set of things that they are basing their life on. And they say, I believe this, and so I live like this. Um, and, and principles and thoughts and ideas and, and, and different things people are living on, that their whole life is predicated on things that they believe in. Now, how we're differentiating that from uh, faith in God is simply that, that we, that when we're talking about living by faith, we're talking this relational idea that faith is actually a relational term, talking about putting our trust in God. The ultimate destination of our life is in the hands of God. We have faith in him not just ideas and principles that are maybe newly formed in our culture. And that's what I say. We can't actually live by faith in culture or the ideas um, proposed in culture and put forth in culture is because why? Those things are always changing. Things that were uh, put down 40 years ago are now celebrated. And the things that were celebrated 40 years ago are now put down. And so if we're living um, with our faith in culture, it's kind of shaky ground. But it is never shaky ground to put our trust in God, the eternal Father, the creator of the heavens and the earth. So when we're talking about faith in this series, we're talking about this relationship that we have with God, putting our trust in him. Before we get to Hebrews 11, let me just read to you from Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God 
that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Just as, as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous, those of us who have a relationship with God. Righteousness means right standing with God. And so this is how God wants us to live. Not a Sunday thing, not a church service thing. That God is inviting us every day on a daily basis, every situation, every circumstance to live by faith in him. Beyond trusting in myself, beyond trusting in ideas and culture or ideas that I can see today. That how I'm going to live by faith is I'm going to put my faith in the eternal God, the Father God. He has revealed himself to us this way through Jesus. That he is our Father, that he loves us, that he cares about us. And just like we can put our, our, our faith in our natural Father, or we should be able to put our faith in our natural Father. I know people have different family circumstances. But the eternal Father... No matter how good your father is, the eternal father is better than your earthly father. Now, I have a really great earthly father. But my heavenly father is even greater than him. And so this is what God is saying, that we would put our trust in him and we would live in such a way that we have our faith in him. And then Romans chapter 10, verse 17 says this. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So the reason that we're going through these stories and we're seeing what these people did by faith um, yes, they had faith, and yes, it's shown. But then the detail that we have in these stories tells us what faith looks like, what faith sounds like, how faith acts in very specific terms because we know their name and sometimes we know their family and we know what they did. And then we want to do the same things that these people did, this invitation to live by faith. So Hebrews chapter 11, you're already there. Verse 1 says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Things hoped for relates to my future. What is my expectation as it relates to my future? Well, the conviction I have about my future, the assurance I have about my future, is that I got my faith in God. This is what this whole verse is talking about. I have... Um, how I think about my future it has so much to do with the ground that I'm standing on. That's what that word assurance means. It actually means ground. So something I'm, I'm, I'm standing on. And it's a much better thing to stand on God than it is culture. Because once again, culture is shifting ground. God is forever eternal. So my assurance for my future now in this life and then throughout eternity, it has to do with my faith in God. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. So in other words, they were commended, they were celebrated because of their faith. And it's the same way with you and I. How are we going to be celebrated in the mind and heart and eyes of God? Well, we're going to live by faith. Verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen is not made of things that are visible. So today, let's read in verse 7 who we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about Noah today. Does everybody remember Noah? If you, went, if you grew up in children's church, you know, you can remember, you can visualize rainbows and boats and animals, right? We, we have the Noah story. It's indelibly marked 
on our minds. But Noah has some actually very specific things here in these verses that will actually help us in our lives beyond rainbows and animals. All right, let's find out what it is. By faith, Noah, being warned of God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. So Noah, the boat builder, the ark builder. And when we look at these stories, one of the things that that helps us to see, and it gives us a little bit of um, insight into biblical interpretation, that all of these things, um, there's types and shadows in the Old Testament, and, and the type in the Old Testament that the anti-type or the fulfillment, the ultimate fulfillment, is always found in Jesus. So we see that Noah built an ark and that ark saved people. The fulfillment or the anti-type of that is that Jesus is our ark. That he is the one that saves us. That he reaches down and does something in the middle of mankind and saves man. And we're so thankful for this idea. But we see here that Noah, he built a really big boat. And he, um, by building this boat, it says that he saved his family. Saved his family. Now, when we think about the the type of guy Noah might have been, um, you know, Russell Crowe, if you've seen the recent version uh, of Noah's Ark, I don't know about rock creatures or anything about that. I'm not sure I see that in the scripture, but that's in that movie, so whatever. Um, We could maybe picture Noah in our mind. He was 500 years old um, when God showed up to him and talked to him and asked him to build this ark. Now, the ark took 100 years to build. He was just building it with his family, not a a big work crew. Um, Maybe some inexperienced construction people might take about 100 years to build such a large boat. But when you think about the the type of person Noah might have been, you know, he was definitely... Um, in a time that's very similar to the time that we live in. We're going to read about that here in a second. But how many of you know that Noah would have started to take ridicule after a few years? I mean, for a hundred years, you're building a boat. You know, you're not even building it on water. You're building it on dry land. Kind of doesn't make any sense. You know, you probably think this would have become like a tourist attraction, right? Come and see this guy. He's building a boat on dry land. Him and his family. I mean, they were selling t-shirts. I saw the ark. You know, it was like a whole other thing going on. And generally speaking, people were just making fun of Noah, mocking him for who he was and what he was doing. That Noah was able to stand out from the crowd. That Noah was able to go against the grain Maybe go against the grain of what was going on in the world in the time. And we're going to discuss this here in a second. But he was able to stand alone. And when he stood alone, it says that he was able to save his family. That Noah, Noah was willing to be different. Now, sometimes when we talk about being different, I, I think that everybody um, in the room at, at some point can testify that you were rebellious at some point in your life. And I know some of you that I was your youth pastor, and that's very true. That uh, you were rebellious at certain ages, as was I. And, you know, I think there's a, a natural rebellion that comes, generally speaking, from, you know, breaking free from your parents. And then sometimes we break so free from our parents that we learn, we break free of anything good that they actually taught us. Because I'm going to go out in the world and I'm going to figure out the world all on my own. 
And then maybe when you become a parent, you start to realize, oh, you know, the, the, the control that my parents were exacting on me wasn't actually about control. It was about love. They were trying to keep us safe and they were trying to keep us protected from the world. And so they maybe, you know, squeezed us a little bit too hard. And then so when I got old enough, breaking free, y'all, I'm going out in the world and I'm going to do my own thing. And if we're not careful, we just rebel too hard and then we just mess up our lives. Can I get a raised hand? Can I get any honest people in the church today? The church house, it's good to be honest. We rebel so hard that we just mess up our lives. But I would say the good side of rebellion is rejecting things that are offered to us just from the world without actually considering it. Without actually considering the source of this thought or this way of being or this way of living, that I'm just going to rebel against everything that my parents taught me and everything I grew up with just because that's what I'm doing right now. I'm rebelling. This is what happens to a lot of kids that grow up in church. You know, they rebel against their parents. And then so by de facto, their parents are Christians. So I'm just going to rebel against God. And then I've seen so many kids do this. And then a little bit later on in life, they're kind of like, you know what? I think I might need to bring my kids to church now after years and decades of rebellion. But the good side of rebellion that I would say is the rebellion that Noah is showing, that he's willing to stand out and he's willing to be different. Do the thing that God has called him to do. To sort of stand separate from the crowd. To, you know, culture is going in a very specific way. We could delineate all of those things. But what God is wanting us to do is he actually is wanting us to move against culture. Not, not in a hateful, angry way, but actually in a loving way. All of the things that God has given to us, that he's given us love and peace and grace and mercy. That he wants us to take all of those things... And he actually wants us to walk against the grain, to move against what might be in culture. So as we're going to read here, let's turn uh, back over to Genesis chapter 6. And we will see that the world Noah lived in is almost exactly the same as the world that we are living in today. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9 says, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. Now, do you remember last two weeks ago, we talked about Enoch. This was the same idea, the same exact words that Enoch walked with God. And this is, once again, this is what a life of faith looks like. It's not a, a church service thing. It's not a Sunday thing. It's not a religious thing. It is actually God wanting to partner with us in life. He's wanting us to take who he is and living it out in the world today. Because what is the world today like? Let's read it here. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. Corruption and violence. Sounds like today, doesn't it? A little bit? Let's just read the rest of the story here and we'll come back to this thought. And, and God saw the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh. 
for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this, once again, back to the types and shadows, this is what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit seals us from within and from without. This is how you are to make it, verse 15. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. It is breadth, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set a door of the ark in its side. Make it with a lower and second and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, which is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, talking to Noah, and you shall come into the ark and you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. Let's skip down to chapter 8. If you, I, I generally think that most people know the details of the Noah story without me going into it, but I'll just give you a brief synopsis if you don't. For the better part of a year, you know there's rain going on and they're floating and then uh, the water is subsiding and then finally they land on a certain mountain. If you, if you don't know the details, I, go back and read it, Genesis 6, 7, and 8 this afternoon. You can see all the details, but I'm going to take you right to the end of the story here in Genesis chapter 8, verse 18. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. When the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man. For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. But if we go back to the beginning of the story, verse 11 of chapter 6, the earth was corrupt in God's sight and the earth was filled with violence. This is the exact same earth that we live in today. Violence and corruption. And in the middle of that type of world, God is asking Noah to be different, to do something different, to prepare an ark in the middle of that context, in the middle of that circumstance. Now, we might think, you know, God, let's, let's bring the flood back. You know what I mean? There's just so much corruption. There's so much violence. There's so many bad people in the world except us. And so let's just do this again. And then what is, that's why I read the end of the story is that God's like, well, I'm never going to do that again. So it's not an option for us. It's not something for us to pray. Or we might just think, you know, um, Jesus, I just want you to return now. Now is the best time because there's so much corruption and violence. And if you were just come back now, you would be able to fix everything. You know, Jesus is going to return at the appointed time that the Father says. And that will be the right time. So don't worry about it and don't try to figure out when it is. But until then, God wants us to be the Noahs of our generation. Because the world that we live in is full of corruption, full of violence. I mean, you can go on YouTube this afternoon. I don't necessarily recommend you do this. But you can go on YouTube this afternoon. You can find videos of like street fights. You can go on YouTube and find videos of middle school kids beating each other up. 
for no reason, kicking kids when they're down. Has anyone ever seen any of these videos? It's, it's hard to watch. A really, really violent world, then corruption. And we all know that, that corruption is an option for all of us. You know, it's very easy to look out of the world and, you know, there's so much corruption out there. But corruption is available to us all of the time that for us to cut corners, to act in a certain way and to do certain things. Well, everybody's acting this way. Everybody's doing these things and to just sort of follow along with the corruption and the violence in the world. But in the middle of that type of world, God calls out to Noah and he's someone that's walking with God. And this is what God wants for us, that God wants to walk with us against the grain of culture, against the corruption and the violence in the world. Why? The first thing is that we would see here in the story that Noah saved his family, literally and figuratively. That Noah didn't partake of the violence and corruption that's available in the world and it's available in culture. We know there's a thousand ways to be corrupt. But in the middle of all that, if we walk against the grain of culture, man, what's going to happen? We can be such an influence on the people around us. Noah saved his family. But once again, what is it? It's super easy just to go with the grain, right? I mean, we're inundated with culture every day, all of the time. We watch it and we, we hear it and it's everywhere for us. But in the middle of the exact same type of world that Noah lived in, God is calling out to us. Do you know that you are called? Sometimes we think of only people that do what I will. Those are the, those are the called ones. Those are the chosen ones. No We're all called and we're all chosen to live in 2018 and to bring the kingdom of God through our lives today to go against the the grain of corruption and violence and maybe to show people there's actually a different way to live. That God is calling out to us to be his agents in 2018 to live the life that he's given to us. And hey, you know what? I want to walk with you. And this is what we see about Noah. First thing that we want to mention about faith, and if you're taking notes, write this down, is that faith prepares. Faith prepares. Faith gets ready. God showed Noah there was a big flood coming. And so what do I want you to do? I want you to get ready for the flood. Faith gets ready. And we can think of this in two different ways. That we have an expectation with our relationship with God, as we read there in Hebrews 11, about our future. And so the dreams and the visions that we have about our future, we need to get ready for those things. If I have an expectation about my future in God and what God wants me to do and what God wants me to be involved with, then I need to get ready for those things. I need to prepare. Just like, you know, an Olympic athlete. 
They're not showing up on the day of the games and be like, you know what, I better stretch out a little. They've been stretching for years and preparing for years. And it's the same way with us. We need to get ready for the things that we see in God for our lives, dreams and visions that we might have. I'll give you this example. You know, if you have a thought, an idea, maybe one day to be an owner of your own business, to go out on your own, you've, you've had this thought, whatever it might be. How many of you know there's some preparation that should take place before you get there? You can't just show up, you know, I'm going to quit my job and I'm just going to go out on my own. So what do I need to do? Well, you need to know that before you get there. You need to have some preparation. Maybe talk to somebody who owns a business that you're thinking about and and find out from them what they need to do and what, what you need to learn and how you need to prepare because faith prepares. Single people in the room. Do you want to be married? Should we get you all to stand up and look around a little bit? No, we won't. We won't do that. If Mr. or Mrs. Wright showed up in the church this morning, are you ready? Or are you be like, you know what? I just need to hide for two weeks because I'm just not ready and I don't actually have a job yet and I need to lose this last five or ten pounds or I need to do this. I need to get... No, you need to be getting right now. Come on now, can I get an amen from anybody in the room? You got to be getting ready. Parents, your kids are getting older every day. And that oldest child that you have, today they're a day older than they were yesterday. I know you came to church to learn amazing things. That's one of them. How you parented when they were two doesn't work when they're 16. You got to prepare. You got to get ready. You got to prepare for things going forward in life. Faith prepares. And then the other part of it, as we would think about, we know if, you, if you've lived more than a day in this world, we know that there's sometimes negative things that happen in life. We live in a broken world. There's an enemy in the world. Sometimes people make stupid decisions that have negative effects on your life. Are you preparing? Are you getting ready for the flood? Are you getting ready for the things that are coming your way that you didn't actually plan for and that you might not actually want? Or are you going to fall apart when it comes? I would say that every day is a day of preparation for the next day to come, for the next season of life to come. And the inclinations that you have on the inside to get ready for something that you have not seen yet, you would be wise to get ready. You would be wise to prepare. Because sometimes it's too late to prepare. Then sometimes you're thrown in the middle of the situation and then you're, you're trying to catch up. No, let's get ready. Let's get ready for what is to come. And this is what we see in the story of Noah. Hey, Noah, there's a flood coming. Get ready. So what did Noah do? He prepared an ark. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 30 says this, No wisdom, no understanding, no counsel can avail against the Lord. 
The horse is made ready for the day of the battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. So here's all of the things in one. Pastor Josh talked about this last week, that we live our lives not for victory, but from a place of victory. So the preparation that we are making, God, we are knowing because we know, God, that all of the things that we've just talked about, whether it's walking in the blessings, whether it's dealing with difficulties, I am operating in those things from a place of victory because of Jesus Because of the ark of Christ, I am saved and I operate in victory. Why? We're getting ready for the battle. We're getting ready for the battle. When we think about a battle, sometimes we only think it's for against the bad things, the difficulties. But do you remember the children of Israel going into the promised land? What was in the promised land? The giants were there. The, the blessings that God has for you in your future. Man, you got to get, get ready for a battle. But the good news is that you go to the battle already having won because of Jesus. Let's read it again. Made ready for the day of battle, but the victory belongs to the Lord. And he shares that victory with you. Do you see this, how living by faith changes your perspective on the future? Come what may, I'm going to win. See, this works out for me really well. Uh, My personality type, uh, competition is my number one strength. And so when somebody says, I win, I'm like, yes. And this is the way we need to go through life. God has given us a victory. Going for the blessings, uh, facing the stuff that comes against me. I'm ready for the battle. Why? Because faith prepares. Faith gets ready. So we need to live our life in a state of preparedness. Got to get ready for what's coming my way. Psalm chapter 1 verse 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He's like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither. And all he does, he prospers. If you ever look down uh, riverbanks or down a stream, you will see that the, the trees that are closest to the river or the stream, they are the tallest And they are the strongest. And what is he comparing that to? Those of us that meditate on God's word, God's thoughts day and night. Are we thinking about our lives? Or do we just think the thoughts that are handed to us from culture? Do we just repeat what we see on the news and the attitudes that we see on the news and the things that we see in political fights? Is that just me? Do I just, am I just a parrot for the political party that I love? Or am I meditating on the word of God day and night so that I can actually maybe go against the grain? Not just to live how culture offers to me, but I'm meditating on God's thoughts. Is this how I should be living my life? Is this how 
should I be talking? Where do these words come from? Where do these thoughts come from? Why? Because the ways of God, think about this. The ways of God are the strongest ways. The ways of God are the ways that are going to last. Listen, the ways of culture are going to be distant. They're going to be in the dust. But the ways of God will stand. Those are the ways that I want to think about. That's how I want to think about life. Why? Because his ways are going to cause me to prosper. His ways are are going to cause me to be successful. The wicked are not so, verse 4. But they are like chaff. The wind uh, drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the wicked will perish. I don't want that to be me. I don't want to just be going with the ways of corruption in the world and the ways of violence in the world. I want to be going with the ways of God because the ways of the world is going to blow away like chaff, like dandelion spores, just going to go away. But I want to live by the ways of God. The second thing we see here in this story, Hebrews eleven seven again, it says, In reverent fear he constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world. The next thing that faith does is that faith obeys. Faith prepares, and then faith obeys. And sometimes, once again, we, we put a negative connotation on obedience. But obedience to God is never a bad thing. It's never the wrong road to be obedient to God. It's never the wrong path to say yes to the ways of God, eternal ways. Once again, think about what, what we said there about Noah and what's true about now. Violence and corruption. What if we said no to those ways and we said yes to the ways of God? Aren't we making a difference in the world? Aren't we making a difference in our families? I mean, I can make a secular argument down this line. And for those of you that are philosophical out there, the only reason that people can make a secular argument along these lines is because it's in the scripture, just saying. But it's better to live a life without corruption than it is with corruption. And it is better to live a life without violence than it is with violence. And what are we doing? Man, we're going to go against the grain. We're going to go against the grain of the world. Now, what I would say at this moment, how are we going against the grain? And and as as I've said many times, you don't go against the grain by being a Christian jerk. And as I've said, we, we are in the church, we're full up. We don't need any new recruits in Christian jerkhood, all right? There's enough angry Christians out there for, yeah, anyway. But how, are we, how do we go against the grain? Do we stand and condemn everybody to hell? Is that how we're going to go against the grain? No, we're going to go against the grain with the same things that God has given to us. What has he poured out on the inside of us? His love, let's start there. I'm going to go against the grain with love. 
I'm not going to be hating on people as I go against the grain, thinking I'm superior to everybody. Why? Because I used to go with the flow too. I know what it's like. And having somebody hating me going the other direction did not help. But going against the grain with love. But that said there that because he built the ark, he condemned the world. He condemned the world. But how did Noah condemn the world? Was he standing, yelling at everybody, I condemn thee to hell? Is that what he was saying? No, it was his actions. Listen, it was how he lived his life that ended up condemning other people, not a proclamation of condemnation. That is above your pay grade. That is only for God and God alone. We don't get to condemn people. Are you out there? What do we get to do? We get to love people. It's a much easier job than being a judge of the universe. We don't qualify for that job. God is the righteous judge. We'll let him judge. Yes? But what do we do? We're going to love people. So much easier. It's just such an easier job. He condemned the world by his actions. Now, when I was 18 years old, I started working downtown Toronto, and I was a messenger. And for those of you who don't know the job description of a messenger, it's basically this. They give you a briefcase, they give you something with an address, and what you do is you take that thing to that address. Simple job description. There was no, there was no manual for that. Here's what you do. We're going to give you stuff. You're going to take it to an address. If you can find an address, you're awesome at this job, all right? So I go there. I'm 18 years old. I was foolish enough to think that this job description was actually what you were supposed to do. So I got my briefcase, and I'm downtown, and they're like, here, we need you to deliver this, you know, somewhere on King Street. And I'm like, amazing. I go and drop it off at King Street at the office. They sign for it. I come back. I drop off the receipt. No problem. This job is easy. A couple days in, I had a guy come to me who had been working there for a little while. He's like, hey, can I talk to you? It's a true story. Can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. He says to me, you need to slow down. I'm like, what do you mean, slow down? He's like, you're making the rest of us look bad. Here's what you need to do. You need to go for the delivery, and then you need to go to Tim Hortons. (laughs) Sit down and have a coffee. You know, don't come back before a half hour. You can't go somewhere and be back in 10 minutes. You're making the rest of us look bad. What was I doing? I was condemning him with my actions. And so I didn't listen to him. And then I got a promotion a month later and he was still doing the same job. Kudos to me. Anyway, but that's what I'm talking about. It's it's not this condemnatory attitude to the world. It is just living against the grain. And this is what God is calling all of us to do. You are called. 2018, as you follow Jesus, just don't flow with culture and how they talk and how they think. That we're going to go against the grain, but we're going to go against the grain with love. We're going to go against the grain with mercy, and we're going to go against the grain with the same grace that God offers to us on a daily basis. And it said about Noah, by doing this, what did it do again? 
save this family. It made a difference in his family. It made a difference in the people closest to him. And all of us have a choice every day. We're just going to go with the corruption of the world. We're just going to cut corners like everybody else. Or we're going to take the long road of faithfulness instead. We're just going to have the anger of the world and the hatred of the world just bubble up on the inside of us. Or are we going to walk with God and allow God to walk with us? Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19 says this. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Willing and obedient. See, there's a little difference between uh, those two things. You know, we, we can be obedient. Well, I'll do it just because you tell me to do it. And if any parents can know that that's true, sometimes you're, well, just because you said, oh, I'll clean my room. It's like, well, there's no willingness necessarily in that tone. But this is what God wants from us. He wants willingness and obedience. Just because you said it, God, I'll do it. Just because you called me to go against the grain of culture, even though I don't understand it, I'm not sure that I totally have got it figured out yet. But I see in your word that if I do this, if I do what Noah did, that Noah saved his family because of what he did and who he was and the condition of his heart. And the condition of his heart, it wasn't just obedience to build the ark. It was willing obedience. And then what does the rest of the verse say? You'll eat the good of the land. The blessings of God are in that place of willing obedience. Willing obedience. See, in all of us today, we can make that hard adjustment. We kind of maybe felt like we were, we were doing something out of legalism or we were doing something for God sort of out of like a have to mentality. Willing and obedient. Eat the, eat the good of the land. Enjoy the purposes of God for your life. Enjoy what God has for you. Enjoy what God wants you to prepare for. I'm just going to take a step back to preparation here. See, a, a time of preparation is always longer than we want it to be. Why? Because we want everything now. There's no better day than today. But we don't want to get weary in a season of preparation. Why? Because if we're willing and obedient, we will eat the good of the land. We will eat the will of God for our lives. And it will be the sweetest thing that we will ever taste. Way sweeter than anything culture can offer to us with its thoughts and its ways. But the plans and purposes of God coming to me and then through me. Let's just pray this morning, God. We're so thankful for your word today. We're so thankful, Lord, for this Noah story that Noah 
prepared and he obeyed. God, we pray that you help us to do these two things by your spirit, that when we find ourselves in a season of preparation, that we don't get weary in doing well. But God, we know that you are preparing us to eat the good of the land. God, in this morning, we choose to obey you in our lives. Because Lord, we want to save our families. In every sense of that word, Lord, as we are obedient to you, that you can use us to be a blessing to those closest to us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you need prayer or would like to share how this message has impacted you, please email info at thecitychurch.ca. Thank you.